something I say, one of my little famous axioms is whether you do or you don't, time is still going to go by. Time's going mm. by whether you do or you don't. If you do mm. those push-ups and sit-ups and eat right, great, time's going to go by. If you don't, mm. time's still going to go by. You're either mm. going to get leaner and a little healthier or a little heavier and a little less healthy. <laughs> time's going to go mm. by. It doesn't matter. Time stops for no one. So whether you practice, mm. if you feel like you're the type of musician, you're like, okay, I really need to practice more. I need to just get better at my craft. But then for some reason, life gets in the way and you don't get in the hours that you wanted to. You can't beat yourself up about it because you can never get those hours back, but you just have to look in the moment and be like, okay, today I'm slammed. I'm sure everybody has these to-do lists on their phone. Oh my gosh, I have 17 items today on my to-do. Okay, is practicing one of them? It better mm. be. If, if you feel compelled that that's what you need to do, then it better be. It's easy to get lost in today's music industry with constantly changing technology and where anyone with a computer can release their own music. But I'm gonna share with you why this is the best time to be an independent musician and it's only getting better. If you have high quality music, but you just don't know the best way to promote yourself so that you can reach the right people and generate a sustainable income with your music, we're gonna show you the best strategies that we're using right now to reach millions of new listeners every month without spending 10 hours a day on social media. We're creating a revolution uh, in today's music industry, and this is your invitation to join so, me. Nomad I'm your host, veteran, Michael Walker, music producer, music director, and session touring guitarist with over 30 years of experience in the music business. He shared the stage with some artists you've probably heard of, like Stevie Wonder, Natalie Cole, Jewel, Carrie Underwood. You know, so just like totally like no one's ever heard of those artists as a horrible <laughs> joke. But he's also worked in the studio with artists like Justin Bieber and Celine Dion. Aretha Franklin, Sting, just to name a few. Uh, and so now he's really taken his experience and he's been able to pay it forward by creating something called the Career Musician Podcast. They have over 140 episodes and they have a mission to empower musicians around the globe with strategies to build a sustainable career. So obviously a ton of alignment with our values and, and our mission here at Modern Musician as well. So I'm really excited to connect with them today and really hear from both his experience as a musician himself and working with other artists as a community, really what are some of the biggest opportunities and insights for artists who are looking to get started and build a successful career. So Nomad, thank you so much for taking the time to be here today. Hey, hey thank you for having me. Excited to, to join the discussion. Absolutely. So maybe to kick things off, could you share just a little bit of, about your story in terms of how you were able to collaborate with you know, artists like Aretha Franklin and about how you, how you created the career musician? Right. Yeah, absolutely. The, the old saying, the old maxim, six degrees of separation, right? It really is true. And sometimes it's less than six degrees. So if you've never heard of that, if you just type it in a a web search, six degrees of separation, it'll explain it. Basically, it's saying that every relationship you have, everybody is connected to somebody else. And chances are, if you look up to somebody, you have a connection to them, even though it might be six degrees after mm -hmm. the fact or outside of that microcosm. So it really is who, but also who knows you. And mm -hmm. that's, I'll start there with the Aretha Franklin sessions. That's how that mm. started. So I was the music director and guitarist for Kenny Babyface Edmonds for 12 years. And he, as I always say, like he wrote the 90s. He was a very big producer, songwriter in the 90s who wrote for everybody from TLC, Boys to Men, Whitney Houston, Madonna, 
John Mellencamp, the list goes on. So I was with him and that came about by a recommendation from a, a musician friend who said, Hey, they're having, they're having auditions. I'll put you in touch if you want to go. And, and I did. So I got that gig. And then he happened to be producing Babyface happened to be producing Aretha's album. And he said, Hey, I like your guitar playing so much. Why don't you just go ahead and play on Aretha's album? So that's how that happened. So my mm. point is you never know. <laughs> There's a guy named Greg Fillingaines, who's a very, very prominent musician in our industry, very famous within our industry, right? He's not a household mm -hmm. name like Michael Jackson, but he played on all the Michael Jackson recordings. And I mean, he just did, he just finished up the tour last year with John Mayer. He was the music director for that. But mm. Greg Fillingaines has done everything that you can imagine. And he has a saying, I've worked with him quite a bit with David Foster. Again, another connection through, you just never know who. He has a saying, and he, it's really simple. He goes, you never know. And he, always, he would always be like, you never know, no man. <laughs> like he would call me for a gig or I'm not available or I'm, he's not available. And, and he goes, you never know. Like he just always leaned into that. Mm. And I can't mm. stress that enough because you have to play on your on the level of your playing field. So if you're if if thus far you've only been a bedroom producer and music maker in the sense that hey, I'm an artist or a producer, composer what have you, but I haven't gone beyond the realm of my own microcosm, then you're not going to be able to get up to where I'm talking about that level like that. You can't jump from here to there. You have it's a process, it's an evolution. So don't mm. think just because I started the story there that I started there in real life because I didn't. <laughs> mm. It's uh, it's a process. It's an evolution, as Michael and I'm sure many of you listening and watching know. How I started the career of musicians, I knew I wanted to be a professional musician at a very young age. By the time I was 12, I saw Eddie Van Halen on MTV that did it for me. And then, and then at that point, I was like, hmm. I really like this so much. Guitar is my primary. How can I turn it into a living? And my folks were very supportive, got me lessons, and they put me in a performing arts high school. And that really helped. So again, it, it, it's, it's very helpful <laughs> if you have support from somewhere. However, I know that not everybody is fortunate enough to have that. So if you don't have support from your family or your friends, then you got to seek it somewhere. You got to find communities. And that's exactly mm -hmm. what Michael's providing. And that's what I'm providing. We, there are communities out there that can help you through this, this muck and mire of the industry. Because boy, the music industry is crazy, as we know. And it can mm -hmm. be hard to navigate. I'm trying to fix my, there you go, my shadow. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it's just a process. Anyway, I knew I wanted to turn it into a career, so I did. That performing arts high school really helped. Did a bunch of gigs, cut my teeth doing gigs with them, and then I just started doing gigs. And I, I didn't look back in the sense that I took a giant leap of faith. I never worried about money. Well, first of all, money was never my motivation, right? So anything you do, oh, I'm going to be an engineer, and I want to make X amount of dollars. Well, you probably don't think that. You say, I just want to be an engineer. And then you pick your area of, of, of study that within the engineering scope, right? So I want to be 
I want to learn quantum physics. I want to study rocket engineering, jet propulsion. I want to do that. I want to be an engineer for building things like bridges and whatnot, an architectural engineer. So you pick that lane and you go all in, but you don't say, because I want to be rich. <laughs> you don't, you, you really don't add that suffix right <laughs> to the end of the, of that statement. So don't do it mm. for music. Make sure that your, your intentions are, are pure and know your why, why you want to do it. And that's what I did. And I just didn't worry about money. And the less I worried about money, the more I was okay. It's a tricky thing. It's a very interesting dichotomy. And I know, Michael, you know all about this as well. But it's, it's between your brain and your heart. You got to, it's a balancing act. So, but once you get there and you just start, it's like riding a bike, you get the hang of it. And that was it. Three decades later, I built a career and then the pandemic hit. And I said, well, now's the time to really hunker down and get this podcast going. So we have just about 170 episodes now, I think, almost. Mm -hmm. And I interviewed all the elite musicians in the game who were my colleagues and, um, you know, saying, hey, let me pick your brain. Tell us about how you did it. Give us some of the the red flags or, or the pitfalls that you had experienced so maybe that we can help others avoid them and whatnot. And it's just a great resource. It's streaming on all platforms. It's totally free. And that was that. After that, I realized, geez, because I always loved teaching. I used to teach guitar when I was really young. And I just had a natural propensity for it. I just loved teaching. And then I realized, well, I do love teaching, right? So let me teach music, but not let me teach music in a theory sense or a how to play sense or how to produce a track. Let me teach music in a business career sense, how to have a music career. And it was around 2010 that I came up with the term, the career guitarist. And I wrote a little ebook and I sold it online and at little webinars or, or little seminars that I did in clinics. And then shortly thereafter, I said, no, it needs to be broader, the career musician. And that was around 2010, 11. And then I just leaned in, like I said, little by little, I started developing the podcast. And then 2019, I really leaned into it. 2020, when the pandemic hit, that was it full force. So now it's a full education platform. We have a course that teaches you how to really record from home like a pro. And it's not, it's not the typical recording course where it's like, this is an EQ. This is a compressor. This is how you use. No, it's not that. It's like, hey, this is how I've been doing it for 30 years at home. And it's really kind of foolproof. I don't go into crazy, crazy technical explanations from an engineer standpoint, from a, an audio engineering standpoint. I go, I teach more from a practical musician standpoint. So that course is really meant to help you level up your home recordings. So that way they just sound super, super pristine, broadcast quality. And then now we have a new radio show called Radio Ready. It's airing on Dash Radio. And I'm going on and on and on. Wow. <laughs> and basically Radio Ready talks about, hey, is your music radio ready? Go ahead and submit it to us and we'll, we'll check it out. We'll vet it. And if it is, I'll interview you on Dash Radio on the show. So anyway, just all kinds of different things that support our journey as musicians. And I know it could be lonely. And I know there's some people out there who have felt that pain of not having 
that community. So that's why I'm really a big proponent of that. Mm. That was awesome. a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was a lot, but it was, it was really good stuff. Hey, thank, thank you for sharing. And yeah, I mean, there's, there's a bunch of gold nuggets in there. One thing that really stuck out to me was that idea you brought up with the six degrees of, of separation and mm. how true that is. Mm. We did our, our third year of our mastermind group and, and we did it in Hawaii this, this past year. And it was, it was an amazing experience. We're there for a week with some of our platinum artists and our team. One exercise that we did there that relates specifically to this six degrees of separation that really kind of blew my mind and helped me understand that the power of that on, on a different level was Russell Brunson came up with this idea of like the dream 100. Mm -hmm. And the idea is basically you come up with a list of 100 of your dream collaborations or the, your dream contacts, the people you'd love to, I don't know if you're an artist, maybe it's Coldplay or maybe it's like some of right. your favorite artists of all time. And it could be brands as well. If there's just like a brand you absolutely love and you, you live and breathe, maybe it's like a Martin guitar, but you just make a list of a hundred of those contacts. And then the idea with the dream 100 is that you make it a strategy to like reach out to those people and to deliver gifts and do things that you know, are cool for them to try to connect with them. So the way that Russell described that is that that's how he made his connection with you know, some of his biggest collaborators now, like Tony Robbins was through his you know, dream 100 exercise. And surprisingly, I'd never really done a true dream 100 for a modern musician or up to that point, it kind of just happened organically, but we did an exercise in that room with like 20 of us. And we just, we all wrote down like a dream 100. But one thing that we did that was unique was we used a shared notion document where we could basically all link with people. And when we were going through the list, if we knew the person that someone else had put on their dream 100, we added a little checkbox to it that says like, Hey, I have an existing connection with, with this person. I know who they are. And I have like a, a way to contact them. And going through that exercise and like looking at all of those contacts, there's a bunch of people on there that I didn't even remember the fact, like I wouldn't have thought about them in terms of like, I have a direct connection with them, but I, but I did. And I'd be happy to make the connection with them and some of our you know, top artists where I know it's like a win-win. But it was a great reminder that even for all of us, I think that you probably have existing connections that maybe you just aren't even thinking of that you do have someone who knows someone or you have a connection to someone that as long as you were able to craft the right opportunity or like the right message where it's not just me, 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 but it's like you're able to do something, provide value, then gosh, it's such a powerful reminder and a concept. So thank you for, for sharing that and your story about how, yeah, using that principle, you're able to connect with some of these amazing artists like Aretha Franklin. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's interesting because oftentimes we tell ourselves we play on autoplay and internal dialogue, right? That's just human mm. nature. And oftentimes mm. that internal dialogue is so negative and we tell ourselves what we can't do rather than what we can do or what we're capable of doing or what's mm. a, a potential possibility, right? So it really is about reprogramming. And um, I don't care whether you're listening to Anthony Hopkins on Instagram or TikTok deliver this kind of message, a famous actor. 
or you're listening to Oprah, <laughs> or you're <laughs> talking to Michael Walker on Modern Musician or myself, the message is the same. We're all human. We all have the same components and we all have equal potential. And it's just a matter of reprogramming that internal dialogue. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's some of the most powerful work that we can do is that internal work around our mindset and our beliefs and our goals and our vision. I'd love to hear from your perspective. What gets in the way of that? Like mm. what is, what are some of the biggest mistakes or challenges specifically related to mindset that you see preventing artists from building a successful career? Great question. I always wanted to be Eddie Van Halen or Steve Vai or when John Mayer came along, I wanted to be John Mayer. I was like, whoa, I love these guys. This is what I want. That's, that's the model. That's what I want to achieve. But you mm -hmm. got to keep that within a, a, a pragmatic framework. You can't let that get out of control. So mm -hmm. when you say, I want to be, that's a dangerous statement. I want to mm -hmm. be like, even that's a dangerous statement. Mm -hmm. You have to reframe that and say, I would love to do my art of making music in the realm of these other artists like they have done. I would like to trailblaze my own message with through my music. So mm. you really have to be careful about how you word those phrases because what happens is that's a slippery slope and guess where it ends? The slope ends right here at comparison. And then mm. what happens with comparison? It's the thief of all joy and really it's the thief of mm. all productivity because mm. once you get to comparing yourself well i well i saw john mayer yeah he's good but i can play better than that i mean he that song is cool yeah but i wrote a song that's just as good whoa 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 wait a minute what are you what are you doing you're setting yourself up for this <laughs> danger zone in which it's like man don't do that so that's mm. number one, I would say. Mm. Don't compare and don't... Yes, it's cool to have people whom you look up to. But without getting too philosophical or religious, idolatry, you got to watch it. You, yeah, American Idol, sure. You look up to them, you're like, oh, that's cool. But they don't make them a real idol. Don't make anyone a real idol <laughs> because... Mm. Then it's dangerous. And yeah, there's you know, the uh, the quotes: "If you meet the Buddha in the in the road, kill him." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds pretty violent, but it's, it's a great principle. Yeah, mm -hmm. just like don't don't believe in anything so strongly that you you are blinded to the truth, because That's the fact right. is like every, everything is is contextual, and nothing is no concept is always true all the time. It's it's really just a map. Yeah. We have our, our map, a, a way to navigate, but it's not the actual territory. That's right. There's nothing perpetually perfect or sound or logical. There's always going to be bumps in the road with anything. I'll give you an example. Back in the 80s, 90s, even early 2000s, clearly social media wasn't around. And there was a lot more mystique with artists. So whether it was your favorite artist like Prince, Prince hardly ever did interviews, right? Mm. Or your favorite guitarist, for me, like Steve I. He didn't do a lot. He did a lot in the guitar publications, a lot of transcripts and teaching in the guitar magazines, but he didn't do a lot of interviews where you could actually see and hear. And then nowadays, everybody's on social media. So even you'll see Prince 
clips on social media that people dug up these little tiny nuggets they found like oh this was a cool thing with prince and so now you're here and you're like oh wow i didn't first of all i didn't even know what prince sounded like when he spoke but now i do hmm. i know hmm. what he sings like but not what he sounds like when he speaks same thing with steve steve is on social media now 24 7 and it's like okay steve thanks man got it <laughs> and it's so funny because the 16 year old me and the adult 50 year old me is like okay cool steve got the message love what you do i just don't need it anymore like at 16 i would have freaked out to hear <laughs> steve i talking about his process and his workflow and why he created this and all that but now mm. as my own creator my own mm. identity and entity that i have grown into and embraced i just don't need to hear it from other people as much just look within. It's all here. It's all here. The answers are all here. And I know that sounds so cliche, but only experience teaches you that. Mm. No, I, I think that that's, it's really profound and it's a valuable lesson to rem remember that who you are is something that is unique and that you're not going to experience your full potential or full success unless you're actually embracing your uniqueness and who you are. It's also, I think it can be really valuable to model and like learn and have mm -hmm. references and whatnot. So I'd love to hear you talk about where do you find that balance between being original and being unique and kind of and doing something different while also being able to learn from people who, I don't know, who have spent their 10,000 hours and even things like the amazing resources that you offer around music production. You can learn so much from other people and save so much time and energy by being able to learn while at the same time you need to find your yourself and like that's what's unique that, that you do. So I'd love to hear you talk about that kind of contrast. Okay. Rephrase the first, I mean, repeat the first part of the question. I just want to make sure I'm accurate. Yeah. Basically, the question is, how do you best leverage references and influences while doing something that is unique to yourself? Thank you. I knew it was there. I was just like, wait a minute, because I had it hmm. and then it disappeared because I was looking at the screen here, just making sure my technical stuff was on point. Okay. Yes. R&D, research and development. That's what, and I've been doing that for years. I have, before the interwebs was a thing, I have stacks and stacks of books of three ring binder books of or whatever holders three ring binders yeah three ring binders of magazine articles book clippings mm. newspaper articles mm. music like handwritten music transcriptions transcripts of an interview stacks of these three ring binders filled with as you said models people which i would like to model after concepts and ideas and research and development. That's why it's called R&D. Any huge company, any company really, whether it's small, any company in general, it's research and development. Part of the mm. research is the metrics, the testing, seeing what works, seeing what doesn't work. The development is taking your raw idea and cultivating it and turning it into something that's really useful for your audience, for your, your, your tribe, your people, your community. So research and development, that's always been my thing. So I would say, okay, I love the way Steve I does all this unique compositional work within his guitar playing. And then I also love the little novelty sounds and stuff he does, right? But then I mm. also love the way Andre Segovia plays classical compositions from Torrega and Soar and all these other great 
guitaristic composers from back in the day. I also love the way Wes Montgomery takes a melody of a classic American jazz tune and embellishes it to make it his own. And he uses his thumb to get this beautiful, rich, lush tone. I also love the way, uh, uh, what's his name? The saxophone player, Michael Brecker, plays these crazy lines that just go on. They're like a run-on sentence. The line will go on for 16 bars without a break. So these were all the musical references and things that I was, and I was taking them and, and you, you become an alchemist. It's an, it's an amalgam of all these different things. And you put it together in your crazy scientist musician lab right here. We all have one. This is our crazy scientist musician lab. We all have one right here. <laughs> it's in your own and you're cranium. you're pointing at his, at his brain, by the way, for yeah, anyone who might be listening to this. At uh, my brain, shoot. yeah, if you're just listening on audio. <laughs> yeah, in our cranium, that's our little lab. Yeah, we get to go nuts yeah. and, and do it. Research and development. So again, it's not idolizing, it's modeling. And you, you made mm -hmm. that distinction. And then it's researching and developing and cultivating. And if you don't want to be that stringent with the terminology you don't have to be if you just call it experimentation call it messing around call it jam i don't care what you call it <laughs> mm. but do it and do it mm. on a regular basis yeah. so that's number one and that's part yeah. of what i call the career musician ethos which is really what i teach and that's based on a, a book that i wrote and it's the whole premise on which i operate Fantastic. Yeah. I, I love that, the way you just articulated the, you're really curating your influences intentionally and doing research and development and just you're figuring out what is it that you resonate with and that you enjoy. Because if you enjoy something from another artist, then you know, likely there's a reason for that. And that's part of who you are. And you, you get little clues, little clues to yourself through yeah. that process. Doug Kazam is here in the live community right now. He said, Michael Becker played on my first single, heard the song once and pl brilliantly played appropriate parts and was gone in 15 minutes. Yeah, absolutely. It's pretty amazing what there you uh, go. a trained musician can do. There you so go. One, one thing I would love to do is open up the floor for folks who are here in our live audience right now with the Modern Musician community. If you have any questions you'd like to ask Nomad, if you raise your hand, you can right click on your icon in our uh, Discord community. And we're going to invite you to speak. You can actually come on here live to ask your questions. So I see Casper Clark has raised their hand. So let's bring you on here live. Hello. Hi. <laughs> How are you doing? Can you hear me? We've got you. What's what's the question I can help you with? Oh, I just wanted to ask when your when your mindset is slipping because I I kind of cued into the podcast right as you guys were talking about you know getting into your own head about idols and such i was thinking about when you see your mindset slipping like that what is your first plan of action some people meditate some people uh, go for a jog some people do jumping jacks whatever whatever it is i just wanted some suggestions but though you awesome. man you you answered your own question you beat me to it i go mm -hmm. for a long walk or a jog mm -hmm. immediately mm -hmm. Anytime I start to feel funky or I get in my own brain and I'm just this negative dialogue, I just go out. And, and I have three dogs, a, a little one that's a little older and two younger ones that are bigger. And I love taking them for walks. And, and it's just like, wow, OK, I mean, we'll go for two to three miles. And that whole time, yep. 
you know, maybe I'll listen to a podcast or maybe I won't listen to anything. I'll just self-talk. And and really, as I'm going up hills and, and walking and climbing and doing all that or just running, whatever it is, all of a sudden your brain just starts to like throw away all the extra garbage. It, it really is amazing how how motion the the act of moving just is such a great uh, absolutely i want to just plus, yeah. plus one that there i saw an amazing study where they were just they were reading the brain scans of people before and after they went for a walk and they did a test to basically see how well they were how well their brain was functioning before and after and you could see the brain scans like that were lit up before and after and just going for a five minute walk lit up and activated like 56 percent more of their brain and wow it's and there's a bunch of mood benefits as well i think the first thing that really woke up my my own like awareness to the power of, of walking and running and exercise was a book called the spark and that book went into a lot of the science behind exactly what you're describing nomad about the yeah. mood benefits mm-hmm. and just the overall wellness that comes from taking a short walk so i I couldn't recommend that more highly as well it's just like going for a five minute walk in between meetings throughout the day if you can just take a break you can just go for a breather grab some water it makes a huge impact that's right just to get the blood flowing and change the mindset that's it man you got it and like you said you're working hard every day oh hold on let me let my dog out of the room (laughs) <laughs> go ahead okay sir. Sam, i'm gonna deliver this package <laughs> fantastic well hey man thank you for coming yeah, on here live to, to ask that question it's a good yeah. one you're working hard every day and it's like sometimes we get so stuck in that mode of working hard and if he's delivering a package maybe he's walking and kind of jogging a lot throughout the day so maybe for him that's the last thing he wants to do when he gets home <laughs> so maybe like he said it's maybe it's a meditative thing maybe it's <laughs> I don't know, not to sound corny, but maybe it's soaking <laughs> your feet or soaking in a tub or a jacuzzi, <laughs> or maybe it's uh, just literally meditating, just sitting still for five minutes. Or if you can't get through five minutes, start with 30 seconds and start with a minute or reading or cooking. That's another one. I love cooking. Five o'clock comes. I remind myself, stop working in the studio, go out into the mm. kitchen cook up some some yummy dinner for my wife and daughter that's very cathartic so lots awesome. of lots of distractions <laughs> yeah yeah i think that's it's a great question and it's it's definitely possible to be successful from like a material sense but to be very i don't know unhappy and mm-hmm. anxious and stressed out so mm-hmm. i think that this stuff is you know incredibly valuable from a life perspective to and i think that it also is going to make you more productive and help you accomplish more with less stress so yeah meditating you know, some form of stretching or yoga a healthy diet healthy movement like these are things that we all know like that yeah. are important so we just got to do them <laughs> accountability and, and, for it right and by the way because i'm cuban italian and i'm a new yorker i love food so yeah, I try to eat healthy, but sometimes indulging in some of my favorite decadent food, <laughs> mm-hmm. it does the trick. You know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There's a, one of my mentors was a guy, Evan Pagan, and he totally changed my life as it relates to food. Because I think that before I learned from him, I always thought that there was a disconnect between like that if I ate healthy, that it came at the sacrifice of me enjoying food 
And it was like mm-hmm. a big, it was a challenge for me to overcome because I, I also love food. I think all of us love food. Like, of course we do. It's <laughs> one of the great things about being alive and being a human. We love food. Exactly. And so, yeah, I, think, I think I always saw it as like, you know, man, like all of the best foods, all the most delicious foods are also bad for me. Like, right. why is that? Like, what the heck? Why did my body do that? That doesn't make any sense. Like, right. But you won. One thing that you helped me realize is just sort of like the Venn diagram of it's like a Venn diagram where on one hand, one circle is you have foods that are delicious, like some of the best tasting foods, but are terrible for you. And then on the other hand, you have the other circles, you have foods that are extremely healthy for you, but they taste awful or you like really don't like them. Like, I don't know, kale and that there is a cross section in the middle mm-hmm. where it's like, if you put those together, there is a cross section of foods that are both incredibly healthy for you and incredibly delicious. Delicious, and, and it's subjective. So people have different tastes, but for sure, like all of us can find that overlap of foods that are absolutely delicious and are extremely good for us. For, for me, it's like blueberries are just phenomenal. Like they're so delicious and they're extremely healthy and there's certain kinds of, of yogurt that are awesome. Mm-hmm. I have a green shake that I drink every morning that just blends together a bunch of stuff that doesn't sound good. doesn't, doesn't look like it would be good, but when you mix together the fruit with it, it's fantastic. Our kids love drinking it. And yeah, I think that it is one of those things where if, if we can find the things that overlap, that are both delicious, we don't have to sacrifice and are extremely healthy. It's a win-win. The the other thing I wanted to share from Evan Pagan, this is just Evan Pagan shout out, is he has this model of looking at the short term and the long term effect. And I think that you would appreciate this, Nomad, just based on mm. you seem like someone that really has a great mindset and is really at the core of your success and, and what you teach. But he teaches around this like short term, medium term, long term mindset. And one example of it is with food, but it's also relates to things like exercise or really anything that's like that all of us know, like I should be doing, because this is a big, really important thing for like 20 years from now, but it can be hard to be motivated to do it now because it's like, okay, I have to wait like 20 years to see the benefit. (laughs) That's right. So the, the way that he broke it up was into these three different timeframes and like scoring it on a scale of one to 10. So like the immediate term. And the medium term being like a few hours later, and then the long term, like you know, 10 years plus. And so specifically, as it relates to like food, if you're rating, let's say French fries, then the immediate score would be like 10 out of 10, because like you put it in your mouth, and it's crunchy and salty and just tastes amazing. It's just awesome. So like 10 out of 10. The, the medium term, so like a few hours later, is like two or three out of 10 because generally you feel your stomach feels a little bit bloated your energy kind of mental fog is you know unclear mood usually is not great and then like the long-term effect is like one out of 10 because like we start to feel lethargic and we're not able to be as productive and we might gain weight and so that's like french fries whereas like i don't know blueberries for example or bananas the immediate short-term effect it depends on the person, but for, for me, it's like I'm well, blueberries might be, might be the best example because that's like a ten out of ten for me. But let's say broccoli, <laughs> like broccoli, I think a lot of people aren't huge fans of broccoli. I've acquired a taste for it, but I would say right now it's probably like a seven or eight out of ten. If I'm just eating like 
broccoli, especially if it's raw broccoli. So immediate, like seven out of 10. Medium term, so like a few hours later, 10 out of 10. Because I just feel alert and I feel like in a good mood and focused. And long term, 10 out of 10. Because you're more productive, you accomplish more, you're more focused, you have a you better mood. And yeah, there's something about that framework of just like looking at those from those different time frames. And the most powerful one for me has been the the medium term, like a few hours later. Like that's the one that if I can really connect with it, it's short enough term where I know when I work out, like I know that it's good for me long term. But really like why I'm doing it is because so I can feel better throughout the day and feeling better a few hours later. And I feel like a lot of people have spoken to that idea of like of focusing on like the the little bit shorter term things to actually connect with it. Whereas if you try to focus on the long-term benefits, it's hard to connect with it because it just seems like it's so far away and it's hard to like a different part of our brain actually lights up because we're thinking about ourselves as if we're like someone else because it's so far down the line versus if you think about it from like how I'm going to feel in a few hours from now. I just talked for a long time there, but, but uh, oh, no, uh, that's great. Sorry. I was, yeah. I was texting my daughter to t- tell her to take care of the dogs. Cause they were going berserk. I, I like that. And actually I, I love that, that barometer that he developed or, or whatever, whomever was, <laughs> I'm sure that's been around, but yeah, great concept. And I think you can apply it to music and what we do. So mm-hmm. I know that if I'm getting ready for a gig and the gig is my gig, nomads performing, then I have mm-hmm. to prepare my vocals. I have to prepare my songs playing wise, guitar wise. I have to prepare the arrangements. If I'm using any playback tracks or if I'm using a band, I have to rehearse and prepare charts. That's a lot of work. And in the beginning, that first short term is like, ooh, I don't want to mm-hmm. do all that. That's a one. That falls at mm-hmm. one on the scale. It's like, yikes, really? I have to do all mm-hmm. that. That's like days of work, right? Mm-hmm. But then, if you do the rehearsal, if you write the charts, if you do the preparation shortly thereafter, a few hours later or the next day, you feel like, mm. whew, I'm glad mm. I did that. Now I feel yeah. confident. And then mm. later you do the gig and you're like, whoa. Now, so, so, so after you did it, maybe it's a seven or a six. And then when you do the gig, it's a 10. And then if you have a bunch of those and they pile up, right, compounded, over time, we know the, 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 the amazing effects of compound interest, and that applies to any, how would you say, anything in life, really. Mm. You do that over and over again, it's a 10 out of 10, and by the time 10 years go by, you're going to have a string of so many good performances. And what's going to happen from that? You're going to get more work. You're going to get more calls. You're going to be sought after even more. You're going to have a bigger fan base, a bigger following, a bigger community because word is going to get out. Have you seen that Nomad show? Oh, my God, that was amazing. Word spreads. And if you're consistent, then now you're really building something. Versus if you say, ah, I got this. I've, I've been doing this for five years now. I could, I'm kind of on autopilot. And then you go do the gig and it's like, uh, the gig was like a three. <laughs> so hmm. in the beginning, the, the, when you're on that scale, that barometer we talked about in the beginning, it's a 10. It's like, eh, I don't need to do it. 10. I feel good. Fine. Yeah, whatever. I didn't do any work. Yay. 10. 
But then <laughs> when you do the gig and it comes out, you're like, oh, that was awful. I made so many mistakes. And then people were like, yeah, I saw Nomad last year and it was great. This year I saw him and it wasn't so great. I mean, they just didn't sound good. So I think mm. you can apply it in anything, right? Yeah, that's really interesting. I never thought about it from from that perspective, but it's it's very true. The the thing that reminds me of too is the study that they did. I don't know if anyone who's here live has, has heard of this study, but I think it was called the Marshmallow Test. Mm. And they they had a bunch of kids, very young, sit in a room, and they were offered a marshmallow, and they could either eat the marshmallow immediately, or if they waited if they resisted temptation the person was going to leave and they'd come back and they'd get two marshmallows instead of one marshmallow <laughs> and it made for a very entertaining video because you get to see the kids like struggling to avoid looking at the marshmallow <laughs> some of them take the marshmallow some of them don't but what was really fascinating was they followed up with these kids and they found in the future a, a very strong correlation between the kids who were able to delay gratification and they waited for the two marshmallows to come back versus eating the marshmallow immediately. And I think a lot of it comes down to what you just described, like having that mindset of how am I going to feel a few hours from now right? and finding the right balance there so that you don't, you want to enjoy being present, being where you are, because here we are and here we always are. And if, if you don't enjoy this, then you might live your whole life trying to be somewhere else. And the comparisonitis. So it is incredibly important to like be present and to appreciate what we have now, while at the same time, we do, we're evolving and we're becoming, and we do have, we can point our compass in, in the direction we want to go and we can make our lives a lot better in the future by setting goals. So it does seem like there's a, finding that balance is one of life's greatest challenges and, and opportunities. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, there's so much to be said there. The other thing is, we have to enjoy it. It's so interesting. Something I say, one of my little famous axioms is whether you do or you don't, time is still going to go by. Time's going mm. by whether you do or you don't. If you do mm. those push-ups and sit-ups and eat right, great. Time's going to go by. If you don't, mm. time's still going to go by. You're either mm. going to get leaner and a little healthier or a little heavier and a little less healthy. <laughs> Time's going to go mm. by. It doesn't matter. Time stops for no one. So whether you practice, mm. if you feel like you're the type of musician, you're like, okay, I really need to practice more. I need to just get better at my craft. But then for some reason, life gets in the way and you don't get in the hours that you wanted to. You can't beat yourself up about it because you can never get those hours back, but you just have to be look in the moment and be like, okay, today I'm slammed. I have a list. Everybody, I'm sure everybody has these to-do lists on their phone. Oh my gosh, I have 17 items today on my to-do. Okay, is practicing one of them? It better mm. be. If if you feel compelled that that's what you need to do, then it better be. Is mm. marketing one of them for your songs to get placements and playlists and more streams? It better be on that list and you better do it. But don't Worry about what's going to happen tomorrow. Oh, I'll never get that amount of stream. I'll never get on that playlist. I'll never get that gig. I'll never. Okay. Well, you know what? Tell yourself that over and over and you just might be right. It'll never happen. Mm. <laughs> or stop the chatter and get to work. Start doing it right now. Mm. Okay. What am I going to? Number one, practice. Number two, marketing. Number three, reach out to all the playlist curators. 
bing, done. That might have taken three hours, right? And in the beginning, it felt like a one. You're like, oh, shit, I got to do this stuff, right? But then after you do it, you're like, wow, this is a four or five. And then mm. when those playlist people reach out to you and people comment on how well you're performing and all these other things, then you're at a 10. You're like, whoa. Mm. So, you know, I mean, Phil Knight mm. said it best, right? Just do it. <laughs> <laughs> Nike too, right? Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah, that, that's so good. It reminds me of... It was Henry Ford, or at least he was attributed to yeah. it. I don't know if it was actually him who said, "Whether you think you can or you can't, think you're can. right. You're right. That's yeah. it. Yeah. That's just, and Phil Knight is the that. founder of Nike. That's how he came ah, up with that. Yeah, yeah. There you yeah. go. <laughs> so, and, 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 and again, all these little maxims and little sayings and proverb, proverb types, cliches—they are cliche, but they're cliche for a reason because they stick. People have been saying them for centuries because. It's true. It's just, it's tough. It, it absolutely can be. And I, I really appreciate this conversation because I feel like for a lot of us, this is one of the most critical issues, just like getting on our own way and having you know, discipline and mindset just to show up and keep Man. doing the things. One, one little tip that has helped me a lot is, as well as it relates to getting started and getting momentum because it does seem like at the beginning especially the the short term it can be like a one out of ten sometimes where it's like man this is so much work and it's like oh my gosh it's overwhelming it's daunting to get started and this principle of just like taking off the the tiniest bit that you could possibly shoot even if it's so like if you're meditating like if it's literally like 30 seconds or a minute or five minutes like just like the the tiniest amount that you can do and doing it and starting there, man, like there's something so powerful about just taking that first step. Yeah. Cause when you take that first step, it gets easier and you build momentum. You're like, you're moving in the right direction. So that's been a really powerful principle too. Just kind of biting off like the tiniest amount that you could possibly chew and, and getting started with that. And that's probably going to lead you in, in the right direction. That's right. How do you eat an elephant? <laughs> mm. One bite at a time. All at once. Swallow it <laughs> cobra style. <laughs> Trick question. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. The, 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 the thing is with meditating, I, I tried to do it for so long. I got the app Calm and I had some other apps. And mm. sometimes I'd, I'd get it and I'd feel okay. And then other times it's just like, man, this sucks. Because as I'm sitting here supposed to be meditating, my mind is going 9 million miles an hour thinking about all the shit that I have to do the rest mm. of the day. And I'm like, mm -hmm. well, that's counterproductive. So mm. then it just became, I got the eye watch and it, it has the little meditate. Hey, reminder, take a breath, stand up. <laughs> and I'm like, I find like those, that's my form of meditation. If you're sitting here mm. and it says, oh, reminder, but, and you just go one big breath, that's it. And you're like, okay, mm. if you want to do another one, great. But if you just did one, great too. Like, that's also great. Like, don't get mm. caught up. Don't get caught up in these crazy ritualistic things that people say, oh, you need to do this. You, yeah, okay, that might work for you. Look at The Rock. I always look at people who are super, 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 duper successful, so, which usually means they're celebrity status and they're very wealthy. And I say, well, they didn't start like that. Now, unless they unless there was pure nepotism and their and their family just handed it to them, but that's that's still rare. It's still to get to this level. And I just listened to The Rock on one of my favorite podcasts, and he was saying that man, we were living in this tiny apartment, and my dad was a pro wrestler and was struggling. 
And I told him I wanted to be a wrestler. And my dad had a fit and we got into a fight. And mm. lo and behold, wrestling is what really put rock, the rock on the map. And then he evolved from there. But, you know, it's just those little interesting things. You're like, okay, wow. Well, not if, if he did it, he found something that he was really interested in, got good at it and then pursued it. And it happened. You might look, I never made it to Eddie Van Halen status. Nobody knows nomad eruption. <laughs> Mm. But that's okay. I made it to my status. I made it to where I am. And guess what? I never had to dig ditches for a living. I got to play music instead. That's not to say I actually really do enjoy digging ditches. I love doing yard work. So very different, <laughs> but <laughs> I'm not putting one down or the other. My point is I got to do music as a living mm. and still do knock on wood. <laughs> Absolutely. Awesome. So how about we wrap things up with one more uh, audience question? Uh, Lisa, I did see that you had your hand up for a little bit. I'm not sure if um, you still want to come on here live and ask your question, but I'd love to hear from you. Hey, it was, hey, how are you guys doing? Thank you so much, both of you, for the great, great inspirational talk here. I was just going to kind of, I don't know, kind of give you an alley-oop for all the times that you kind of talked to us about small wins and gratitudes. Because it's really about those little bites, like you were talking about, have been actually something that helped propel me and just kind of change my whole mind, way I think about being in music and how, and what it is that I deliver. And Nomad, the other thing that you brought up, which I think is really important for people to hear other artists say, is I'm at the status that I'm supposed to be at. I'm at, I'm where I want to be. I am doing, I'm living my best life doing what I want to do. And it's, I'm being a creative on my own terms, whatever those terms are. So I think this whole idea of like generalizing and having this kind of American dream of what is successful and what isn't successful is it's always being pushed on musicians as far as like, this is what your rubric should be. People should love, all these people should love you in this, but really all you need is your people to love you. All you need are for the people that actually connect with what it is that you're doing and you can be your best and most honest self. So I want to thank you both for kind of really talking about that and just saying that, that, that those small wins and gratitudes really take us far. Ah, thank you so much, Lisa. That, that means a lot. And Lisa, that was uh, man, amazing. Got, yeah. It really was. I got goosebumps as you were talking there. Was, we can do a round, round of applause. <laughs> yeah. That was just so well articulated, Lisa. That was um, amazing, Lisa. And thank you, by the way. I love that word rubric. What a great term. And it's so mm. accurate. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and Lisa, I mean, you've had such an extraordinary journey with, with your music as well. And, and you know, I think that you have a lot of uh, wisdom and, and to be able to speak from. So hearing that, the mind, that having the wins and the gratitudes is something that has really impacted you and, and your life and your career, I think is you know, a great testament to that practice of what you're referring to really about this is the most practical framework that, that I found for implementing this like gratitude. And there's a lot of different ways to do this. We usually try to start out meetings by doing a quick win, round of wins and gratitudes and people just share what they're grateful for, what the wins are. But I also love the, the book five minute journal. And basically that is a, it's a five minute journal where you write it in it once a day and well, you can do it twice a day, really. You do it in the morning and at night. And you write down three wins or gratitudes. 
and you write down three future wins or gratitudes. And then at the end of the day, you write down the highlight or a highlight or what was you know, a highlight from the day. And that is such a powerful practice, you know, coming back to gratitude. When we talk about this comparisonitis and trying to be somewhere else than, than we are, where we are, it seems like that's kind of rooted in a lack of appreciation or a lack of gratitude and just being, yeah, being here, being present. Because when you're grateful, you literally can't, you can't be both grateful and anxious mm-hmm. or angry at the exact same time. You can kind of flip between them, but like it's not, it's literally not possible to be grateful for something and at the exact same time to be anxious. And there's something powerful in that. Yeah. It, it's mm. being hungry and full. <laughs> yeah, it's one or the other. Yeah, absolutely right. Man, Lisa, that was spot on. Just don't listen to anybody. Just put blinders on. Again, part of the career musician ethos, which is the book that I wrote an ebook and it's also an, an audio book it's available on the website uh that's the whole thing it talks about you got to put on these blinders you have to get focused you have to once you identify your your mission your goal where you want to get to then you have you have to know your why right know why i'm doing this and then you just have to go do the work and put those blinders on don't listen to anybody and the gratitude is easy turn on the news for 3 minutes and then you'll realize oh my gosh I am so grateful to have shelter, to have clothing, to have food, sustenance, water, Mm. because there's people right now that are fighting for all those things Mm. (laughs) all over the globe and and even in America. I mean, just all over, anywhere. So we have lots to be grateful for. If we're able to attend little Mm. workshops like this, then that right there, giant check. Wow. Grateful for that. Mm. Yeah, that's so good. There's so much truth on that. Just sort of... uh, the, it's so easy to overlook what we have and take things for granted, even just like basic things like our clothes yeah. and yep. groceries and food. Yep. Like I, I have this joke that sometimes with, with our cats, like when we leave and we come back and they see us come back with these arms full of food and groceries, they just think we're the best hunters of all time. <laughs> like, they leave for like 20 minutes, they come back, and they're loaded. It's just, it's just wild. The fact that like, we awesome. have these these resources to us and hot water for showers and clean water. Pretty, pretty amazing. Well, Hey, Nomad, this has been a a fantastic conversation. Thank you so much for coming on and and sharing some of the lessons and and wisdom that you've learned and your 30 plus years of doing this professionally and helping other artists. Uh, So I appreciate you being here and being a part of this. And for anyone that's listening or watching this right now, who's interested in connecting more and maybe check out your book and, or your community, your podcast, where's the best place for them to go to dive deeper thecareermusician.com and I kept everything uniform so all the socials are just at thecareermusician three words, no spaces thecareermusician like I said, the website has all of the the stuff, the course on on how to produce like a pro, pro level sessions and the book, really the book is the crux of the matter for me right now on on the homepage you can take a little survey to dig deeper as to some of your strengths and weaknesses as a career musician. And it's a, it's a fun survey. And then, yeah, you get a free copy of the ebook actually. And just cool stuff, man. I'm really struggling with social media because although I love it, it's just hard to produce enough content to get out there. And every time I bring a team member on and think, okay, they really understand my goals here. It's just hard because I know what I want 
to rep be represented out there on social media. And I'm learning how to take more time and do it myself and because it's more, it's more effective because I'm, I'm the one with the message, with the, with the mindset and with the experience. So you'll see me out there on the socials. Say hi, say that we met here with Michael Walker, a modern musician, and don't be afraid to reach out. Ask me anything. DM me, email me info at the career musician. You know, I'm here. I'm here to help. Awesome. Well, thank you, Nomad. And like always, we'll put all the links in the show notes for easy access. And if you're here live in our Discord community, this is the point where we're going to uh, go to breakout rooms. And so it's basically an opportunity for you to be able to connect with other artists that are here live in the community. I would definitely encourage everyone, if, if you have a few moments, to go say hey and introduce yourself, figure out ways to collaborate and connect with each other. And I personally am going to be hopping in and just saying hi in the rooms. And if you're watching this anywhere but our uh, private community right now, if you're on YouTube or LinkedIn or Facebook or Instagram or all the places that Reese Team's going to now, if you'd like to join the private community, we have a free resource here for you. And you can sign up at go.modernmusician.me slash join dash community. And this is our, I think, second or third time doing this podcast live and broadcasting it everywhere. So if it's not there yet, we'll be adding the links in the description so you can you know, find it easier than, than remembering it. But, but yeah, we would love to connect with you more personally if you want to come in and be a part of the Modern Musician community of artists that are supporting each other. And let's go ahead and let's close out our live stream for today. Hey, it's Michael here. I hope that you got a ton of value out of this episode. Make sure to check out the show notes to learn more about our guest today. And if you want to support the podcast, then there's a few ways to help us grow. First, if you hit subscribe, then I'll make sure you don't miss a new episode. Secondly, if you share it with your friends or on your social media, tag us. That really helps us out. And third, uh, best of all, if you leave us an honest review, it's going to help us reach more musicians like you who want to take their music careers to the next level. The time to be a modern musician is now, and I look forward to seeing you on our next episode.